When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to the Talkers City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. It's our first episode of the new year, so happy new year to everyone and happy new year to you, Simon Bukowski. How's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. My name's Dan Murphy, in case I would forgot to say it though, got to get the branding in, haven't we? And also joining me is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going as well? Happy new year to you. Not too bad, thanks. Happy new year, Dan. Oh, I know. It's, it seems like it's, it's only been 19 days this year and it's already felt like an age but we go on regardless and tell you who's had a very good new year so far lads it's manchester city football club five games so far in 2021 one or five of them um this stretches into eight wins on the trot going into last year and unbeaten in 15 games since november 21st the defeat to tottenham was the last time um, city lost a game in any competition if my uh, research was correct um in this year alone they've already beaten chelsea 3-1 united in the uh Carabao Cup semi-final and lastly on Sunday we had the 4-0 victory over Palace Sai, it's been a great start to the year for City and I think we all will talk about it soon but it looks like the Premier League is going to come back to Manchester but the, the blue side potentially with the way things are going Yeah, they're certainly favourites it's been a mad old season and it has been a mad old month it's hard to think that it's, it's only just 30 days or whatever since they were drawing so dismally at United mm. and drawing so dismally against West Brom. And it, it's even sooner since, um, you know, the game against Everton was called off on the day. This COVID chaos training ground shut down and you thought City are in real, real trouble here. And everyone at City was saying the same, you know, with that um, situation. And remarkably, they've not only pulled themselves out of it, but got themselves into a position where they can go top of the league on uh, on Wednesday if they beat Aston mm. Villa. Um, it's just a phenomenal turnaround. Yeah, it's certainly, um, we'll talk about Villa in due course, but yeah, as I say, City's game in hand from the first day of the season to come and they could overtake, well, Leicester City could go top today on Tuesday, actually, if they win. So by end of today, City could go in ahead Leicester, United and Liverpool. But Joel, they kind of capped off a great performance on uh, Sunday against Palace and two of the stars of 2021 are at least two of the biggest improvements we've seen in City in this past uh, season. Ilke Gundogan and John Stones both amongst the goals. It was a great performance, um, not just from them too. You know, De Bruyne had a great assist, Sterling scored an amazing goal as well. And everything just seems to be going in City's kind of favour right now. Oh yeah, definitely. It was it was such a difference as well from the, the win against Brighton, which was quite nervy. They didn't make the possession count in the second half. They wasted a lot of chances, but you could tell the difference. You could tell the I I thought that they could tell uh, after Liverpool and United dropped points that they, they really wanted to capitalise on that and and yeah that second half performance especially was it was professional but also ruthless in the the moments of quality where they, they made those those chances count the, the Gundogan goal was superb Raheem Sterling made up for his penalty miss in the previous game with a, a late goal himself and and yeah John Stones can't do anything wrong I, I liked how it was him and Ruben Diaz combining for a goal. Um, at the attacking end after keeping so many out at, at the other end. But uh, yeah, you, you point out Gundogan 
and John Stones. I think Gundogan got his, his fourth goal in six Premier League games. I think the mm. Sky Sports commentator said, which is ridiculous form for him, and it just proves that he's he is he's been one of the most consistent performers for City in in the last two or three years, and he's finally getting a bit of uh, limelight to show for that. And yeah, everything is being said about John Stones is is completely deserved. He's mm. been sensational this season. Yeah, Sai Gundogan is a really interesting story. Before we get onto Stones, which is even more kind of fun to talk about, but like Gundogan, I remember. Probably even this season, fans, whenever Gundogan would be playing, would be kind of quealing in horror as the thought of two defensive-minded midfielders in the team at the same time, alongside even Rodri or Fernandinho. Gundogan's probably the best season since he signed from City, because obviously, uh, sorry, from Dortmund, because obviously he had um, really bad injury problems in his first year, a year and a half here. His best year was probably the year Fernandinho was out for the majority, and he was playing in that defensive midfield role and kind of made it seem like Fernandinho hadn't been missed at all. So how has it come now that he's now in the greatest goal-scoring run of his City career? He's so and that midfield is locked solid now you cannot see for any big game anyone else getting into it what's he done to get like so improve so much <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know if it's perceptions or something like that he actually arrived at city as this player that guardiola was really mm. excited about that could arrive at the box and score a goal i remember his his debut against uh borussia mönchengladbach in 2016 i think he scored but he was this player that could sort of arrive just ghost into the box and find these um, you know, great positions to to score goals. As you say, he covered for Fernandinho in the holding role, and he's kind of been seen as a defensive player ever since. Like, I, I don't think it can be stressed enough how technically brilliant these players have to be to play one position in a Pep Guardiola team. So to play two is shows you just how intelligent Gundogan is as a footballer. Um, I think he's been massively overrated, underrated sorry, <laughs> uh, throughout throughout his time. Um, and like you say, he split the fan base. But he is um, he's been playing slightly further forward uh, than he was earlier in the season. I think earlier in the season when they were still searching for that kind of defensive stability, um, him and Rodri tended to stick back a bit more. Whereas as the team have found more rhythm, he's been playing further forward popping up in the box more and scoring more goals. And Joe, um, how, you know, another redemption, as we said, John Stones, two goals on Sunday, capping off an amazing turnaround when in the summer, all of, I think all of us, I don't want to speak to you, but I can say for presume we all thought Stones' might, time at the club might have been coming to an end. Ake was signed. It was weird, uh, pretty much known that another centre-back was coming in. It ended up being Diaz for a hefty amount of money. It seemed like Stones' time at the club was over. No, like Gundogan, you can't see even Emeric Laporte dislodging him when he gets back. It seems like Diaz and Stones are the partnership now. That's it. And I think that says everything about John Stones' turnaround is that he's keeping someone as good as Laporte out of the side. Okay, Laporte's been injured, but like you say, when when Laporte is back to fitness, he's going to have to battle a really solid pair. Um, I've seen that stat going around today that Stones has now scored more than he's conceded this season, which is uh, pretty impressive. And he's one of them stories that you're just really pleased for him because everyone who speaks about him says he's a nice lad. Everyone, it seems like he's, he's working really hard and he's, he went back to basics he said in lockdown to to really win back his place and I think he deserves credit for that attitude of really fighting for his his future at City because we've seen players who haven't done that and they've they've gone on and to mix results at other clubs but he's he's really been determined to to win his place back he's got a bit of luck with the injuries to other players and yeah he deserves complete credit and uh, I, I thought his interviews were quite interesting 
after the game on against Crystal Palace where he said he was in quite a dark place. He had to to really look at himself and it was a mental thing as well as a as a physical and technical thing. So yeah, he deserves all credit for for his turnaround and uh, it's it's a position that Guardiola is would absolutely love to be in. Compare having three world class. Uh, central defenders this season to last season when they had about half a world-class central defender. <laughs> yeah, Guardiola will not mm-hmm. complain one bit that he's got three players pushing for two places. Yeah, definitely. I think, if I'm right, I, I know two of the goals he's conceded. Has he only conceded two? Has he conceded more from since the Chelsea game or is it just the two? So if I remember correctly, the only two goals he's conceded as well were two late constellations against Wolves and Chelsea, which had no bearing on the game whatsoever and were not, not really anything he could have done about it. So it just shows that pretty much He's pretty much got a clean slate. You can't just have. There's not been a single mistake from him. Whenever you go back to this time last year, and obviously the Carabao Cup final was nearly the kind of the idea. Thankfully, City held on to win, but he made like a high-profile error seemingly every match. But Sai, he's kind of turned it all around now. He's cut out those errors just in time for for him to make them all again in the Euro 2020 for <laughs> England, no doubt. But do you think is it, like you tweeted earlier today about Pep Guardiola's comments on him and Laporte? Like, how do you see that that pairing kind of staying? Do you think Laporte will be able to get his way back into the side? It is um, maybe only for nerds like me, but it's a really interesting topic because Guardiola, ever since he's been at the Etihad, has spoken about the importance of a left-footed player on the left side of his defence. And you watch Laporte, and nobody brings the ball out like Laporte and plays the ball forward. Um, like Laporte does in that team. Um, I mean, partly it's balance, but also it's quality. And I think uh, there's a lot said about sort of Pep tiki-taka teams, but City sort of go vertical up the pitch a lot at their best, and Laporte is behind that. Um, But the way City are playing at the minute, who Mm -hmm. do you leave out out of Stones and Diaz, even though none of them can do the job that Laporte can do? They complement each other perfectly at the moment and they're responsible for what is an amazing unbeaten and winning run in sort of a season that is otherwise chaotic so it, it's really hard I mean do you bring Laporte in as um do you play him as sort of a nominal left back and then you have mm-hmm. three at the back because Cancelo moves forward whenever City have possession does he break up that partnership I think first and foremost Laporte needs to focus on cutting out the errors making sure his concentration is right and getting back to full fitness because we've not really had that from him yet this season so you know that needs to come and is far harder to to do Mm. than to say but you know if that situation does arise what a dilemma for Pep to have especially as Joe said given the dearth of options that were there last year Mm -hmm. I believe he hasn't started in the league since the Tottenham defeat is it is that right or at least not in a big game so yeah it's definitely kind of a road to redemption for Laporte now and if Stones can do it I'm sure I'm sure someone of Laporte's kind of normal quality can it as well but we're kind of going forward Wednesday City are back in action against Villa it's their game in hand as I said from the first match of the season they can go top leapfrogging three sides should they win? It, right, for a start, is this is it actually happening? Are we spot on that we're happening side? Because obviously Villa have had their troubles and not played for a few um few fixture weeks because of because uh, of their COVID breakout. And of course we played the kids against Liverpool in the FA Cup. Are we still hundred percent on or do we not really know? Yeah, so Villa have haven't played as a senior team since New Year's Day when uh, they lost to United. They've had the training ground closed. Uh because of the COVID outbreak. We're we're as confident as we can be that the game will go ahead. Dean Smith gave his um, his press conference this morning, uh, Tuesday ahead of the Wednesday game. So they'll be preparing for the game. City are preparing for the game. Uh, I 
it, it couldn't have come at a better time, really, for, for City. Um, squeezed in because they're just in such good form at the moment. Mm-hmm. And Joe, are we thinking like we're going to see? We've, we'll talk about Cheltenham at the um, the weekend uh, in a moment, but seems like City with such a weak opposition at the weekend comparatively, seems like they don't really need to rotate that much this weekend. Even maybe bring um, your Cancelos and your Rodri's back in, and they can go as strong as possible. Even if Villa have a much weakened side that are a bit unfit and uh, might have eight players out that we don't know about yet. Yeah, that's it. With with a League Two side next, you can you can afford to play your strongest side and and still uh, potentially make eleven changes and and have a, a side good enough to beat Cheltenham at the weekend. So um, I I would I would say unless any fitness issues are, are, are dominating in the in the current week, then City will go as strong as possible to try and and win that game, get top of the league even if it's temporary for an hour or two before United play, um, get the, those points on the board, win that game in hand, and then and then. As Pep Guardiola has been uh, emphatically saying in every single press conference and interview he's been doing, he's only focusing on the next game. But I would imagine he's got an eye on plenty of rotation mm-hmm. options for for Cheltenham. Definitely. Well, Villa have like been a good team this year until then. Covid were up their kind of campaign the last few weeks. They've had picked, you know, they beat Liverpool seven one for Christ's sake. Even though that seems like an absolute eon ago now they've been a fawn in some big team sides and played really well I, I presume they're still in the top 10 I don't know how many games they've kind of fallen behind other teams now but this would be usually would potentially be a bit of a banana skin for City or at least a tricky fixture going into it do we but do we just see a kind of whitewash now side do, like, is it hard or is it even hard to say because we just don't know what team Villa are going to have on offer uh, they are not in the top 10 anymore Dan no they're not wow that shows my preparation Arsenal nudged them into 11 <laughs> But Arsenal have played four games more than them. So, right, so, so the, it shows how good Villa have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been really good. Um, it, they've kind of done it the reverse because when you mm. come up to the Championship, you meant to sort of have a really good season and then struggle the next year, like Sheffield mm. United are showing us. Whereas yeah. um, Villa, they, they just seem to take momentum from staying up. and mm. uh, Really good had, summer, I think. Really good summer, quite a good transfer window. Um, I like Watkins a lot, um, mm. but obviously Grealish is is full of confidence as well. I'm looking forward to another Grealish versus Foden showing after mm-hmm. uh, Foden schooled him in the Carabao Cup final. But um, yeah, it, I mean, City should win the game and they are even firmer favourites because of this um, mystery around Aston Villa. We don't know how they're going to line up. We don't know how they're going to react from all their their COVID issues. Um, but, you know, you look at City when they played their first game after the COVID issues and had scored three past Chelsea in half an hour. So Yeah, so it's hard to say. But, like, so if City do win, which I think we can all kind of expect, you know, you'd, we'd probably predict City to win even if Villa were at full strength. But that would put them in the ascendancy for the Premier League title, Joe. And do you think, you know, are, are they going to kind of get it along the line? Only a few months ago, when we were no doubt on this podcast. I know I certainly was saying, oh, maybe City maybe City had done wrong and given Guardiola a new contract. Maybe he's tired him out. Maybe can he rebuild? Can he do it all again? But it now seems like, kind of from out of nowhere, really, this run's kind of been built steadily. Do, are they kind of the favourites now over Liverpool and, of course, United? And even Leicester City, right? they're still in the running as of, as of now. I think... If this season's taught us anything, it's that the entire narrative of it can change within two or three games. After City lost to Tottenham, and I think um, Liverpool beat Tottenham around the similar time, everyone was saying, oh, Liverpool are going to run away with it again. And then suddenly mm. they drew twice and it was all back level and, and City have come 
very sort of quietly but steadily over the last month or so and and got themselves back into contention so I think they deserve credit for that but they know that they're only a couple of defeats or a couple of drop points away from being Hmm. four points behind again for example so um I was I've had this conversation with my friends a lot over the last couple of months and they were writing City off completely saying oh they've you know Pep's passed it he's you know they've not got a chance at all and I was always saying don't write them off they they could still win the league and if anyone's going to put a run together Mm. it's going to be a team like City with the resources that they've got and for City to come through the Covid problems that they have done in the way that they have done is sort of it shows Mm. how how much quality is in that squad and and I think this season will be decided by the most consistent team and the team who deals with all all the fixtures the most it's not necessarily going to be the best team so if City get continue to have relative luck with injuries and and use the squad rotation well then they will be in a good position but I think it's far too early to call anyone a favourite um, we were talking about United being favourites and then they drop points against Liverpool and now suddenly they're not good enough so it's mm-hmm. you're only a couple of games away City have got to really take advantage of this current run where they've got I think four of the bottom five is it next next up mm. we've got they've definitely got Burnley Sheffield United West Brom uh, coming up and Aston Villa so they've they've got to take maximum points from those sort of games and then go into the Liverpool and Tottenham games full of confidence and hopefully take advantage there but yeah any title talk I think is is far too early because it can all change in the matter of two weeks yeah that's definitely true I was going to bring up their kind of really favourable run but we say it's favourable obviously Sheffield United you can't see and apart from obviously Newcastle United, you can't see any team losing to them. But Burnley and the other some other teams who again Fulham, um, oh, they beat Fulham. But obviously, there's teams City haven't completely been dispatching those lower teams as ruthlessly as they usually do. As we mentioned, the West Brom draw, and there's been other drop points here and there so far this year until they've been on this run. Whereas if you look at United, um, United uh, City's title rivals in United, and after they lost to Palace on their their opening day of the season, they haven't dropped any points to any teams below the top six and uh, Leicester but they've been unable to beat any of those sides when they face them and they played them all once and not beating any of them after the draw with Liverpool so is it what's going to be more important side is it going to be dispatching getting as Joe said getting that level of consistency and dispatching all these kind of lower level teams or is it going to be getting you know smashing the Chelsea's like they had did so so ruthlessly and as Joe said Liverpool and Tottenham coming up um, after that run which games are going to kind of be clinches do you think and as I say, question to you, are City kind of in the driving seat now? Should they beat Villa, of course? Yeah, I think as as Joe said, City need to keep going for this run for as long as possible because you never know when it can end and when it does end. I mean, they've got Liverpool away and then Tottenham and then Arsenal. Um, so there are sort of more difficult fixtures to come on paper. But I just think Pep Guardiola is showing this season why he remains the best manager in the world. And I think especially when the situation, the circumstances are so weird and unprecedented and unexpected, experience and quality of someone like Guardiola counts for so much. And, you know, we've all been sort of not making it up as we go along, but trying to work out what can happen this season. And... um, and you look at what Guardiola said as we've gone along and he said that City had taken a while before they could start controlling games and he'd said that things had improved from November really when um, every team started playing midweek mm-hmm. rather than just the teams in Europe and that the big teams would slowly start to settle and the early front runners like Villa etc would maybe fall away and you look now at the table and you've got City, Liverpool, United and like everything that he said seems to be happening as he said it is so he's got he's got city in a place exactly where he wants them where 
you know, like Joe said, he's just drilling into them. You focus on the next game and you win three points. And that's how they got 100 points in 2018. And that's how they got 98 in 2019. And that is why they look so, so strong at the minute. Well, we'll see We'll see what happens with Villa on Wednesday. Of course, stay on uh, Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester City for all the updates and live coverage of that. But after that, as we mentioned, City will travel to Cheltenham Town for the FA Cup four-fair tie. Another favourable round <laughs> for City in the early stages of cup competitions, of course. Um, should they win, they'll face even Nottingham Forest or Swansea City. This will give kind of Pep well, knowing Guardiola, he'll play the strongest team for this one instead of Villa and just absolutely steamroll them. But usually when he plays League Two sides, he kind of does heavy the rotation. I remember the semi-final against Burton. There was a lot of kids playing in that a few years ago. And so, Sai, one of the kids who could play here is Liam Delap, who had a very interesting night on uh, Monday, didn't he? Yeah, they played uh, his old club, Derby, and they won 4-0. And he scored three goals and got a red card. With, uh, <laughs> I th- they played Derby earlier in the season at home and he got two goals and I think he got an assist and he definitely got a red card. So that's five goals and two red cards from two games this season against him. And do you think he'll come into the team on uh, Saturday? Um, despite, Well, is he suspended uh, for it? Or is it just youth games? Is no, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's suspended for it, no. I mean, um, he he knows that he's got to work on his on his discipline and mm-hmm. not laughing out. And Guardiola hates red cards. He hates lack of discipline because it gives the team lack of control. And you, you look at like Fabian Delph and Zinchenko and others sort of were out of the team for long, long periods after getting red cards. Because um, Guardiola, you know, didn't feel he could trust him to stay on the pitch and, and do a job. So, you know, that won't necessarily help his chances. But I don't think it will. Um, a, a red card in a in a youth game will hinder them too much. Um, mm-hmm. he, it was like ten days between him getting that first red card and him starting and scoring against Bournemouth. So uh, you'd expect him to be involved against Cheltenham, yeah. But but then also you've got Aguero coming back, um, mm-hmm. and you've got. You know, Gabriel Jesus would probably want to score a goal at some point this year. <laughs> well, of course, Aguero, now he's out for Sheffield United. Uh, sorry, for the game against uh, Villa. It's going to be a year since he last scored in the Premier League, which is mad to think about. We'll get to Aguero in just a minute. But So, Joe, anyway, any other youngsters you want to see kind of City give an opportunity to on uh, Saturday, I believe, they're playing? Uh, I would always like to see Tommy Doyle given a chance. He's... Whenever you see him, he, he runs the game. He's so calm, composed, and uh, he's done that in the games. I don't think he played all of the EFL trophy games, but uh, certainly in, in one or two of them, he, he, he played and he's he's very comfortable against League Two opposition. I think Felix Nemec has done the same against League One opposition in that competition. Uh, Howard Bellis as well. Uh, we spoke to him after they got knocked out at Tranmere in the in that trophy and he was saying that he absolutely loves playing those those games against the the seasoned pros who, who know all the, the dark arts, I think he called it. And, and that, that's the sort of game that, that probably will be really good for for his development if he gets a chance to play. And all, all these players in the in the youth academy, I'd, I'd say, are, are definitely of League One, League Two standard to to compete against them. And if you add more experienced players, say for example Benjamin Mendy gets a chance again, uh, or Fernandinho, I'm just putting those names out there as, as two who might play. But if, if they were to come in and offer a bit of experience as, alongside them. Um, you would expect it would be quite a, a tough evening for Cheltenham, but I think they know that they're they're looking forward to making as as much as they can 
out of the game. They've been selling those virtual tickets to, mm. to kind of get some money for good causes. So it'll be a fantastic day for Cheltenham and, and City will be happy if they can rest players, not pick up any injuries. I think I think the pitch there is all right. I don't think it's notorious for being too bad, but the weather at the moment isn't great. So get through it with no injuries, rest a few players and mm-hmm. I think Guardiola will be uh, very happy. 100%. Well, it's been a quiet January in terms of transfers for pretty much every club. I, I could not name you a single sign that's happened in January for any club anywhere, to be honest with you, apart from obviously Bolton Wanderers, but less said about them, the better, especially when they're facing Cheltenham Tyron, I'll tell you that much for free. Um, but there's been some rumours today, um, some rare speculation in the City kind of sphere side. Uh, Romelu Lukaku's been linked as a striker um, to sign as this kind of striking long-term replacement to Aguero. Obviously, Aguero, as we just mentioned, now got a year without scoring in the Premier League, which is absolutely insane to think about. I think his last goal was away at Sheffield United. He's injured again, not involved on Wednesday. He's struggled to kind of get over this niggling injury he's had. And so first, like, what's Aguero's future? If he's out of contract in the summer at the minute. What's your what's his future as you know it? And then Lukaku links. Is that something you could see happening? I, I'm pretty doubtful myself. I don't know if he doesn't seem completely like a Guardiola striker, even though he's very good. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I can what I can add to that really. Um, the <laughs> the striking situation is 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 very obvious. City are looking to sign, you know, an Aguero successor um, in the summer transfer window, regardless of whether Aguero stays or not. Um, It's still up in the air whether Aguero stays. I think by now, all sides would have hoped that Aguero would have sort of made it uh, so that it had to be done. But um, the fact that he struggled so much to come back from the injury that he suffered from in uh, in June kind of leaves it up in the air and he still kind of has to play his way back into form um, to get that to get that new contract. The Lukaku link is interesting. Um, as you suggested, not a strike you might sort of normally associate with City or a Pep Guardiola team. Um, journalist who wrote it very well connected. So, yeah, good good story. Yeah, I, I'd be like you, I'd be surprised if they went for Lukaku, certainly is the main option, um, just because I sort of think his, his, uh, his weak points are sort of where Guardiola wants his strikers to be at their best. I still see someone more in the line of Haaland being the mm. kind of natural successor to to Aguero. Um, but, you know, stories like that show that they, they are actively hunting for, for players. Mm. Especially when Lukaku, had, well, Haaland's going to cost a lot, don't get me wrong, but he's, Lukaku's got a few years on him and into signing for about £75 million just a couple of years ago. So it's definitely going to be a pricey one there, Joe. Do you, how do you think of Lukaku links and do you think another striker is more kind of realistic? Um, long term, obviously, as I said, City have to sign someone to replace Aguero because if Aguero doesn't leave this summer, he'll probably leave next summer. Yeah, similar. I, th- I think that a more sort of smaller, faster striker is is what we're used to in this system. So Lukaku is a bit more physical and he, he's a different type of striker that, that City would have to adapt their play around. Um, but I suppose we've seen links in the past with Harry Kane However mm-hmm. true they are or not, who would probably be similar to yeah. more similar to Lukaku than he is to Sergio Aguero. So I think wherever they go next, it'll probably cost a lot of money because if you need someone to replace Aguero, you've got to get someone world class, and that's going to cost you a lot of uh, a lot of millions of pounds. So wherever they go next, will be interesting to see the direction that City want to take their style because. Mm-hmm. I think the strike department in the last year or so has has really been highlighted as as crucial to how they play. Gabriel Jesus isn't the same striker as Sergio Aguero, and and the play differs when when he plays. Even in the last few games, they played a false nine, which has, has had to change the way they play. So um, I can't see Lukaku fitting in this side, but 
you never know. We, they've signed players who who you wouldn't have expected before, and, and they've gone on to be a success. So mm-hmm. I guess wait and see. Obviously, not as a long term success aside, but could Lionel Messi be that replacement? Uh, yeah, uh, they've got the money for him. Uh, it, it's funny because all the Barcelona presidential candidates seem to be saying, "Oh yeah, Lionel Messi is actually really mm. happy," and it, it's. Um, yeah. I, I can't quite work out why people are trying to get elected to the to be Barcelona president. Seems to be telling the world that Lionel Messi is really happy. Um, lost on me that one, but yeah, yeah. City are uh, in a position. They've got the funds to sign Messi if he's available. Um, which you know just backs up the point that they're willing to put a lot of money into buying a premium striker this summer. That that's mm-hmm. their, their number one goal. Like you know, the other other areas of the pitch may become apparent sort of close to the window, but they've been clear for at least you know at least since the last window that striker is is the key for twenty twenty one. Final question, Joe, before we wrap this up. Even if Aguero doesn't play again this year, he, he spends the next six months getting fit, kind of recovering from this injury to get fully back. Does City give him a new contract anyway? Because he's, he's still very good, as we know. Maybe he's not the first choice anymore and this new striker comes in. But we know how good he is. He's a City legend and he's not going to say goodbye in front of any fans at the moment anyway. Do City get a new... Do City give him... And I'm not suggesting that to take such a sentimental decision to heart anyway. Just look at David Silva's departure this last year. But um, does he get a new contract on merit and on past achievements, even if he doesn't get much more game time in this season? I would say, personally, yeah, absolutely. Because if Aguero is fit, he generally starts. And if Aguero starts, he generally scores. So whether he's 32 or 33, I'm not entirely sure on his age, but he, he will still score goals and he, he can be rotated out. Gabriel Jesus is a, an OK option. If it gives City another year to find the perfect replacement, we know that's not gone that well in the past when they've spent too long looking for a replacement. But yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't see any downside, even if there's a risk of him getting injured for, for a long time. Um, that would sorry, but that would be the only downside. But mm-hmm. if you could keep him fit, then there's there's no doubt that for me that you would you would keep him. But I know they've said that they'll let him decide his future and and how he wants to leave. So I think that's right. I think he's earned that that position. And and uh, yeah, wait and see. Personally, I think if they could sign Lionel Messi, that would give them another year, a guarantee mm-hmm. of some goals next season, and another year or two to sign that that perfect long term replacement. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Ireland, if he has another year on his contract at Dortmund, or or similar I think that would be a, a best case scenario but there's n- I don't see many downsides to keeping Aguero for another year if that was possible mm-hmm. well Sai I'm sorry for throwing this on you but I've just looked at our kind of talking City badge and it's just sprung upon me and I know we are running over so a quick word here City obviously over the last few weeks have lost um, an icon and one of the best players of all time in Colin Bell you wrote an excellent piece for the Sunday edition of the Manchester Evening News talking to past teammates and uh, Tommy Doyle and Ian Cheeseman and certain other kind of City people who have so many fond memories of Colin Bell maybe a word for Colin Bell I will take this podcast on yeah I mean you know obviously his his passing tremendously sad moment for uh, for everyone who knew him and, and for everyone who watched him play um there was a I spoke to Paul Lake, who was one of the City players who was kind of compared to Colin Bell when he was when he was coming through. And he said, you know, he used to um, be with Colin Bell when they would um, go around on match days and speak to people. And he'd said, you know, grown men would cry at the sight of Colin because <laughs> he just meant so much to them. He gave them such special memories. And together with 
Um, like Summerby and Franny Lee, they were, you know, part of a hugely successful City side. But Colin was the one. Um, but on top of his footballing abilities, just a fantastic person and dad and granddad and husband and everything. So I think, you know, Tommy Doyle said every match day, the players will walk in to the Colin Bell stand and, you know, you come out of that tunnel to um, to go into the onto the pitch. So, you know, his legacy will will live on for forever and ever and ever. And there have been a lot of sort of legends in the in the modern times, modern years for City and, you know, there are tributes planned for, for company and silver and the like. But but more than 40 years since he retired, uh, Colin Bell remains the benchmark as, as the greatest Man City player ever. Great. And on that great note, we'll bring this podcast to a close. Thank you very much for your time. You can follow me on Twitter at DanMurphyMEN. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Uh, underscore Joe Bray. And you can follow Sai at... Just search my name. It's easier no, that way. He's, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't care. doesn't want your followers. He's that cool. <laughs> of course, you can follow us all and get all our work at Man City MEN and get us on Facebook at Manchester Evening News, Manchester City. And yeah, get us all, all our work at Manchester Evening News, forward slash Manchester City. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and we'll uh, see you soon.